Good morning, everyone. It's 11.06 on WSIC News Radio. You're listening to Where to Say It with Senator B. Sawyer and David. If you'd like to be part of our shows, 844-STUDIO-4. We're also streaming live on the WSIC News Facebook page. And on, are we still in the, are we still in the YouTube world? We're not in jail. Are we? We're back in jail. Oh, we're good. Okay, okay all right. Go we're ahead. not back in jail. Senator, very, yes, very well prepared. Senator yes. Vicky Sawyer today. I learned. Unlike last week, very prepared. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you for being here. And yes, I, I, I sent you show notes. We have two great guest callers. One that's on the line has been uh, called in before. Joe Stewart as political analyst and also government affairs for Independent Insurance Agents in North Carolina. And we're going to talk all things insurance. Yay! Yay. Very impressive. <laughs> Joe, are you on the line with us? I am absolutely here. How are y'all doing today? <laughs> great, Joe. It's great to have you back on the show. Well, Joe, thank you so much for calling in. And I know insurance is just such a lovely and fun talk, talking thing uh, point that we're going to make here today. But that is really, we all have to pay for it. And it's hurricane season. And I thought, what better person to have on the show to talk about the challenges in the industry and hurricane season and, you know, what we do to prepare. So thank you so much for calling in. Well, thank you, Senator. When you think of disaster, you think of me. I appreciate that. that <laughs> oh, that's too funny. No, that's not not at all. But Joe, you know something that, uh, of course, you know me as a my paying gig as an insurance agent, and I guess you get a little uh, paying gig too as a, the government affairs for independent insurance agents in North Carolina. Um, so we all look at the hurricane season and we see the predictions. So, what are you hearing from industry insiders about what does this hurricane season look like for North Carolina this year? Yeah, the, the, the news out of uh, Idalia, the most recent storm that we've had, the initial estimates are that the insured losses in all of the states that were impacted by this particular hurricane, uh, initially about $10 billion in, in losses that will have to be covered by insurance companies. Uh, it, it seems like a big number, but by comparison, uh, you know, the big one, Hurricane Ian back in 22, they, now you're talking $60 billion. So oh, wow. it's it's hard to imagine that, that we sigh and say, oh, that's 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 good. It wasn't too big, but $10 billion is still a lot of loss. And um, unfortunately, there's also a number of storms still percolating in the Southern Atlantic basin. Now we have Jose. I know I'm nice that one of the storms is sort of a, a tip the hat to hear to me here. Franklin and Gert, there's another disturbance that's not been given a name yet that has a hundred percent chance of becoming a cyclone according to the National Hurricane Center. So there's, there's a lot of activity yet to come. And we, we all remember for uh, most of North Carolina's modern history, Big storms have come in September, and so now that we're starting the time when we see the most activity here in North Carolina, the, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, uh, the entity that does the official hurricane predictions each season, uh, has said it started back in before June that they thought this would be a relatively modest and mild hurricane season about a few weeks ago, revised mm -hmm. that prediction and said they now think it'll be an above-average hurricane season. So uh, hopefully, you know, hur hurricanes, like a lot of other phenomena in our lives, Senator, are not predictable necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're hopeful that, that the predictions don't come, come to, to pass, but yeah. uh, it does look like there's a lot of activity and we may yet be hit by a storm. Well, yeah, thank you for that gloom outlook. And we, like you said, we'll pray that it, that doesn't happen. But, you know, it's important because, you know, 
the listeners to this show live in the Piedmont. So hurricanes, other than maybe a Hugo or a few other, we really do get affected, but not affected greatly. But yet our insurance rates are affected greatly by these kind of natural disasters. But even here, as we're all seeing our insurance rates increase, those coastal areas, they really have been getting socked uh, with increased premiums. And I know you've been directly involved in trying to help through that. But so for our listeners, kind of tell uh, them what is happening to those insurance rates, not just here, but also at the coast. Yeah, w- one of the tremendous challenges in, in trying to, as I, as I often say, Senator, you've heard me say this before, insurance issues are very easy to understand, but sometimes they are virtually impossible to explain. Mm-hmm. And, and that's part of the challenge here. It, we, we do think of the things that we all have insured, our homes, our lives, our health, and all of those things as being specific to us. But the truth is the capital that is behind insurance is global. And so as much as there are a greater uh, likelihood of hurricane damage coming on the coast, the truth is the impact from that is felt throughout the state of North Carolina because it's those very same insurance companies paying claims on the coast that are also insuring homes and properties and lives and, and health uh, uh, throughout the rest of the state. And so e- even if an event is isolated to where the disaster hits, it still has an impact, a ripple effect across all insurance and across really all lines of coverage. One of the phenomena that we're experiencing in insurance uh, today is the impact of inflation. The fact that things cost more means the the cost of replacing or repairing a damaged property that's insured is more expensive, and and that necessitates a higher cost of of the coverage itself. The premium has to go up to reflect the fact that the claim is likely to be higher as a result of the cost of the materials uh, that are needed to repair or replace whatever's been damaged. Mm -hmm. The other is actually a global economic phenomenon, what what is called reinsurance. In, In effect, it's a pot of capital that insurance companies go to to, uh, in effect, buy insurance against catastrophic losses that they might experience in a, in a particular year, those capital costs have gone up. That, that money around the planet that's used for reinsurance has sought other types of investments, so it's a little scarcer. And w- when the capital is more scarce, it has to be more expensive. So the cost of reinsurance that insurance companies are having to pay is necessarily passed along in the cost of insurance uh, that's sold to the consumer. So those two dynamics occurring at the same time have created what is known in the industry as a hard market, meaning Mm -hmm. that just the cost of capital is making it more expensive to insure things, and that cost is having to be borne by the consumer. Yeah, I think that is absolutely great in ways you said that. And, And, you know, in North Carolina, although we all are experiencing the pain of increased insurance, you know, there are other states in our in our nation that actually Uh, insurance carriers are pulling out of, namely California and Florida. And there are other insurers actually in North Carolina that because of their losses are so extensive, like you said, across the nation and and, and at some point the scarcity of money globally, they're just pricing themselves out of the market because they're saying simply, we don't want to write business. That's exactly right. Nationwide, state form, uh, many of the well-known carriers on the property side announcing that they're either not going to write any new policies or they're going to stop renewing existing policies. In a place like California, that was driven significantly by losses experienced as a result of wildfire, another mm-hmm. type of natural disaster. And, and this has a significant impact, impact on North Carolina. As you stated, Senator, there's a ripple effect. If a company goes out of business because all of the losses it's incurred in Florida, if that company is writing insurance policies also in North Carolina, when it goes out of business because of Florida, 
it goes out of business in North Carolina too. And so all of those homeowners have to find a new carrier to provide that coverage. One of the dynamics, we think of North Carolina as being susceptible to hurricane losses, but the, the impact of disaster overall, it's hard to imagine this, but in 2022, that was the eighth consecutive year in the United States where there were 10 or more significant natural disaster events of all sorts where there were insured losses of at least a billion dollars. So wow. we've, we've really had a decade of some really bad time that drought has an impact on insurance. There's losses that come about as a result of that. Wildfire, of course, earthquakes, other types of winter storms, those yeah. sort of devastating natural events that occur all have an impact on insurance. And w w when there are a lot of losses and insurance companies have to pay a lot of claims, that, that makes things difficult all across the country. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. That was a lot of heady information, but we'll dissect it later on the show. But I appreciate your expertise as always. And the fix, you just need to shop around. That's the only thing you can do as a consumer at this moment is pick up the phone and shop your insurance. Thank you so much, Joe Stewart, for joining us with Independent Insurance Agents in North Carolina. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio with Senator Vicki Sawyer and David. Like to be part of our show, 844 Studio 4. We are still streaming live on the WSIC News Facebook page and on YouTube. Uh, during the break, we did have a caller, uh, Joan, who had uh, called in with a question and a uh, concern regarding some development. Uh, Joan, just to let you know, Senator Sawyer has your number and uh, we'll be reaching well, out to get in contact with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. See what we can do to help. But no, uh, it was uh, the only thing I think more exciting than talking insurance would be tort reform. So yeah. maybe we can, like, you know, get a good lawyer get Shaheen back on here to talk Larry Shaheen back on here to talk lawyer and yeah. uh, tort reform here pretty oh, soon no. but um, interesting uh, you know the um, one of the things that we had been looking at uh, Joe Marusak from the Charlotte Observer had written an article recently yeah. on uh, the Cherokee actually have a, 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 a referendum I guess you would say coming uh -huh. up on legalizing marijuana on the reservation and mm -hmm. uh, Chuck Edwards who's their congressional rep none too happy about that right yeah so uh, the Cherokee is a sovereign nation um, and that was established um, I don't remember all the legalese of it, but um, their take on this is that when they had the agreement with North Carolina and the federal government, if their um, PAC doesn't specifically include something or exclude something, then it's allowed. So in other words, when this was formed uh, legally, there was nothing in there about marijuana. I think no one ever thought about marijuana, um, but the Cherokee definitely are thinking about marijuana um, and so much so that they are doing a grow house um, and they are doing a vote on September 7th to legalize the ability for uh, adults to come and as this I think maybe uh, Boomer wrote toke up a joint is what they called in the article <laughs> seems, that I was reading <laughs> uh, and that is Joe Marusek so Joe I apologize if I called you a boomer but um, so that's what's coming on is September 7th and so their congressman uh, if you guys remember Chuck Edwards a former state senator I served with him. I, I really appreciate his worth ethic and style. Consider him a friend. Um, but he is, he's coming out and he's got the, actually it's a pretty handy title for that. What is it? Stop the Pot? Stop the Pot? Stop the Pot Act. <laughs> I thought that was pretty clever yeah. and, and handy. But Certainly memorable. David, what, I mean, what do you feel or what do you think? So I, I think, um, one, I think you you sort of address it at, at the top of the discussion that Cherokee is a sovereign nation. Um, and speaking as someone who works in the land development world, um, I, I make my living inside the things that are not explicitly uh, taken away or implicitly ah. given. Uh, that's where that's where you 
sort of where you find your uh, find your uh, your ability to move forward on a lot of things. Yeah. But I do think that um, to be fair, I, I mean, I understand the um, I understand the controversy that comes with marijuana. Mm-hmm. Totally respect people's personal feelings, but you know, in respect to, to Congressman Edwards, you know, he can introduce that act. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to defund the Cherokee over this. They are a sovereign nation. They can have this vote. Um, you know, the gambling was first legalized um, on the Cherokee reservation, um, and so I feel like that. You know, I, I think it's a little bit of overreach. Probably mm-hmm. makes for a good mailer during fundraising timeframes yeah. um, inside of his district, but uh, it's not going anywhere. I mean, the Cherokee really can decide. I'll be interested to see how that vote turns out. Yeah, um, and sort of what their plans are with it going forward, though. But you know, it is their right to do it, and so you know, it'll be up to the people who live on the reservation to decide if they want to move forward with it. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that is uh, that is their prerogative. Um, and I guess it's other people's prerogative to go to Cherokee and see what they're going to do. I mean, I, my, my curiosity is, is that I'd assume it wasn't just for people who are of tribal cards, right? I mean, would this vote allow for, you're looking at me like, oh no, we didn't I do. I don't know. I don't know. Like, so, <laughs> so say, could my 21 year old daughter drive to Cherokee and purchase marijuana or is it only for tribal? I think I need to, I should have researched. I thought I was well prepared, but now I'm asking the question. I, I really don't know. Yeah, all the praise I gave you at the top of the show, it's obviously all gone. unwarranted. It's obviously all gone. unwarranted. <laughs> all gone, all gone. But you know, I'm curious because obviously we have this other issue that we, you and I have discussed at length about other casinos in North Carolina. I can imagine that the Cherokee are looking at this as an incentive to choose their casino over maybe casino in uh, you know in Rockingham County or Anson County or or Nash. Um, well, if you want to ease the pain of losses at the blackjack table, you know little 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 ganja might probably do the trick, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we'll deaden the pain a little yeah. bit and make you think, yeah, you know, maybe it ain't so bad yeah. that I dropped the mortgage at the blackjack table <laughs> or anything like that. But no, it will be interesting to see how that turns out. Yeah, I'm sure that's very controversial with the tribe. Um, I've actually really enjoyed getting to know the Cherokee tribe. They've been very politically active, and I've, I've had dinners with them and their chief is a fantastic they have a great group of people um and very visionary and seeing what's going to happen i mean in virginia isn't marijuana recreational marijuana should be illegal by 2024 from my understanding yeah because i think medical is already legal and i think they i think that is on the path like by next year for recreational mm-hmm. recreational is obviously legal in a number of states already and as well as in the district columbia um so you know access and to be fair access to marijuana for you know most intents and purposes is not difficult um these yeah. days so you know i i don't know that i would waste a ton of bandwidth worrying about yeah. um you know what the cherokee vote is but i do think that it we're just moving that direction. I think you're just seeing it more and more that, you know, the, the attitudes about marijuana as a whole mm-hmm. are, 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 are going a different way these days. And, you know, obviously in North Carolina, you all have been having the medical marijuana uh, discussion. Right. Um, it, you know, my understanding this session, not probably not anything happened with that this session. Uh, you know, we passed it in the Senate waiting on the house, but, uh, going back to, as what you said is, I don't know that, um, marijuana is very difficult to uh, get anymore. Um, I don't know personally, but I do know when I went to a Snoop Dogg concert <laughs> for my birthday on August 8th. I did not know that I was in North Carolina. I felt like I may be somewhere like in Colorado or other places where it is legal because it was alive and well, as my sniffer was telling me. Contact high, maybe? I don't know. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. It was Snoop. I mean, come on. I know. It, it I is thought it, it, it is sort of required at a Snoop yeah. concert that be able to have a, little, uh, have a little marijuana going on. So speaking of Snoop Dogg, just to give him a little shout out, um, we have a Snoop Dogg 
connection in Statesville, North Carolina, don't we, David? We do, actually, yeah. Um, with the Origin Foods um, up there, uh, Snoop Dogg has been working with them. He's got an ice cream, yes. which what pairs better with, uh, I guess. Know, with, yes. with, a little, with a little marijuana than uh, some uh, ice cream. And so he's got his own ice cream brand, and I believe he's going to be partnering with them, which is which is pretty cool yeah. to have that kind of name associated, especially with a local company. Uh, and um, I never turned down ice cream. So yeah. I, have, I have not had Snoop ice cream yet, though. I, I am looking forward to trying it. Have you had it? Well, I was very grateful because part of the job is our job, but the service that we do as electeds is to go and look at businesses and tour schools. And um, I was grateful that Origin Foods invited me up one day. And uh, yes, not only do they, they gave me a sample of the Snoop Dogg ice cream, but it's not named Snoop Dogg. Um, the name is escaping me right now, but it, uh, they had mentioned that is the one of the only businesses that he owns like the majority of. So this is like his brand. Um, he actually actually talked about how he was promoting it on stage one day and he got in trouble because that was breaking some kind of rules. Um, but yeah, so our very own Statesville has a connection to Snoop Dogg. See, Snoop, he just, he's, a, he's a man of the world. He's man. a, man, you he's know, a wonder, man of the world. He's did, everywhere. Yeah, I wonder if, did they get the recipe from Martha Stewart? You know, I'd, that would be an interesting question. I mean, because he and Mara Stewart had that they do. that that whole like relationship they they've got. They're really tight apparently, and they do some stuff together. So it wouldn't surprise me if she was uh, the uh, articu- the uh, sort of the art the um, author of the uh, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> oh, the Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg, Dogg recipe. <laughs> it's like they probably came up with it while sitting around, you know, saying, "What? what maybe this might taste yeah. good. Maybe that tastes good." While they had the munchies. What would it be like to hang out with Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart? I just mind blown. It has to be two different. I'm not sure. That's that's like overload right there yeah. at that point in time. Because I'm be frightened. You know, Martha Stewart scares me a little. Uh, <laughs> she 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 frightens me a little. I mean, she she comes across as so nice and all that, but I feel like that like she's one of those that like just a certain look she could give you um, that would just like send chills. She just strikes me as that kind of person. Well, I kind last, of, I'm kind of intimidated by well, her. Well, last week we established that you are uh, favorable to strong women who are politically active. So, I am. But now this week we're thinking that you're scared of Martha Stewart. So did you have a change from last week to mm, this week? I can respect and fear someone. Okay. Okay. They generally well, go, they generally go hand in hand. Okay. I mean, I'm terrified of you, so I mean I think you know, and, and I, n- nothing but respect. But I'm terrified of you as well. Oh my God! Speaking <laughs> about being terrified, there's some Republicans who are terrified of Trump. Yeah, yeah. They uh, you you know it's a little early, but apparently campaign ads already kicking up uh, saying anybody but Trump. Yeah. So Americans for Prosperity. That's a super PAC. Uh, they used to have a regional office here. I'm not sure where it's located. It was in Mooresville before, but uh, it's a national group uh, that has actually come out and is buying $1.6 million in ads in North Carolina, also in two other Super Tuesday states, to explain to voters why the political action committee feels it's important to vote against the former president. Well, I, you and I run in a lot of Republican circles, and that opinion mm-hmm. is not um, uh, is not new, um, mm-hmm. and it is definitely something that is uh, shared among a lot of Republicans. A lot of concerns about um, you know the result of the election if if you know former President Trump wins the nomination. Um, so yeah, but starting this early, that's pretty uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. I'm sure that you know for the loyalists in the Trump camp, that's just going to ignite them even more to come out and turn out the vote. Um, but you know, I do share in their concern. Not that I'm not supportive of Trump, but I am. I want the presidency, and I want a strong Republican in that presidency. And although that he's not a strong Republican, he just mobilizes the other side so vehemently that it's almost like having him at the top of the ticket is the only way that Biden will be able to win again. 
Yeah. And what, my, what I'm actually interested in is what what nickname Donald Trump will come up for Americans for Prosperity now. Because, <laughs> like, you know, he, he'll come up with some type of nickname for them yeah. you know, now that they're out attacking him, right? <laughs> well, it seems like we do have a caller on the line. Yeah, just before the break, we'll pick up a caller. Hi, uh, uh, welcome to uh, We're Just Saying with Senator Sawyer. Good morning, Lamb Chop. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you doing? This is uh, Richard Coleman. How are you? Hey, Richard. How are you doing today? Better than I deserve. Very nice. Sawyer, how are you this morning? I'm great. I am great. So, hate to Russia. We got about a couple minutes. So, what's on your mind? Nothing. I was just calling to let you guys know that I'm relaunching my campaign for Iredell County Commissioner this evening, tonight at the fair. We'll be here at the fair from tonight. Um, on through next Saturday, uh, just getting things kicked off for uh, for our local primaries uh, at the beginning of next year. Oh wow! Man, it starts earlier and earlier every year. Doesn't it, it? Well, <laughs> it is. You know, he doesn't. Richard, you do make a good point. Tonight is the Ardell County Fair, and it's the opening, and you'll see me there and a few other candidates. And so, Richard, you're launching your campaign, and traditionally, that's been the Ardell County's kickoff for the political season, right, Richard? The- Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, we did the same thing two years ago. We ran again. We ran, you know, for my first time uh, two years ago, and mm-hmm. we're looking to to build on what we did two years ago. Well, very good. So we got thirty seconds left. Um, yeah. Well, Richard, no, no question. But Richard, thanks for get, being willing to throw your hat back in the ring Absolutely. and uh, get into uh, public service and everything like that, and kicking it off at the fair, which is always, as Vicky said, the uh, sort of the uh, launching pad for a lot of po- <laughs> a lot of political campaigns. So we wish yeah. you the best of luck, and thanks for calling in. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. You're listening to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio with Senator Vicki Sawyer. I'd like to be part of our show, 844 Studio 4. We are still streaming live on the WSIC News Facebook page, as well as YouTube and Facebook and Twitterverse. Ooh. We're into the Twitterverse now, oh, which wow. is our X, excuse me, the artist the formerly X. known as Twitter. We're <laughs> I don't want to have to do X. it that way. Yeah, I really, I'm, it's always going to be Twitter. Yeah, I really, it, it, I get rebranding and I get all that kind of stuff, but I, I really feel like that uh, it'll always be Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and not, no disrespect, Elon, if you're listening, which, what am I saying? Of course he's listening. <laughs> of course he's listening. <laughs> you, you wouldn't miss this. He's probably hanging out with Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. Exactly. Sampling on his, uh, sampling on his uh, ice, ice cream. cream. Yeah, exactly. nothing, nothing more. Nothing, definitely nothing more. Just ice cream. Ice cream. Definitely nothing more. So um, coming in, I know that um, we were talking with um, earlier with uh, Joe Stewart about the the insurance and everything. Like, oh, I believe we have a caller. All right. uh, Mitch, uh, welcome to We're Just Saying with Senator Ricky Sawyer. Is this Mitch McCokai? It is. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, Mitch, how are you doing? Hey, Mitch. So I'm let, doing fine. I hope you all are on this uh, Friday before Labor Day. Yes, we are. And, and forgive me for I had uh, transposed the time that you were calling in, so that was my fault. But I do want to give you the proper introduction, if you don't mind, Mr. Kokai, because it, because you're kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not no, only no, I'm, I'm probably the, the the littlest deal on this program. <laughs> thank you for the comment. Well, well, you are um, definitely a prolific music aficionado. But in your paying world, is you are uh, a governor affairs or, or policy expert for John Locke Foundation. Uh, John Locke Foundation. Actually, I was going to try to explain it, but you know what? That is actually your where you work and, and play and live and, and do a lot of things with. So 
kind of tell us, like, Mitch, what is John Locke Foundation and, and what are your guys' role in Raleigh? Yeah, first of all, I'm going to start with the who before the, the what. And the who, John Locke was a 17th century English philosopher, very influential on many of the key founders, including Thomas Jefferson. We all know about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Locke, years before Jefferson, wrote about life, liberty, and property and the sanctity of those rights. So much of what we saw in the American founding uh, came out of the founders' interpretations of thinkers like John Locke, who came out uh, about 70, 80 years before what the founders were doing. The John Locke Foundation is a group that started a little over 30 years ago, probably uh, in the neighborhood of now 32, 33 years ago, and it focuses on keeping track of what's going on with government policies, specifically in North Carolina. So if you have listeners who are familiar with the Heritage Foundation or the American Enterprise Institute or the Cato Institute, these big D.C. groups that sort of are on the right of center mm-hmm. uh, of the, the political spectrum, the focus on, uh, focusing on what's going on in D.C., we do the same thing, but only focusing on North Carolina. So when you ask about what, we're, what we do in Raleigh, we kind of keep track of what you and your colleagues are doing at the General <laughs> Assembly, what Governor Cooper and the various state agencies are doing, the court system, and to some extent what's happening with local government. So that's, that's what the Locke Foundation is up to. And I also should mention real quickly, we have a, a, a journalistic arm to this, too, called the Carolina Journal, which covers what's happening in state government, too. Well, very good. Um, I was going to um, just help because you guys um, did. I'm going to say that Carolina Journal is great. I read you all the time, especially when I'm in it. So you guys did a great <laughs> article. And I want to <laughs> thank you to Teresa. Much for, like when you watch PBS. Yes. When, <laughs> when Mitch and I are on PBS. When you're on PBS yeah. together. <laughs> um, but no, I do appreciate that and do ask the listeners to go out and, and look for Carolina Journal. They have some great uh, long form um, information and, and always a resource for all of us to read. Um, So you also had merged recently with a uh, group called Civitas and Civitas really was like the scientific arm behind polling. Um, And so now you guys have brought them uh, together and, Quite frankly, I used to, before I got into politics, I used to stub my nose at polls. In fact, my first campaign, I didn't have enough money to do a poll. The only time I knew that we were doing well is when David and I got a, a hate mail in the mail for me. Um, and then I used to think, oh, <laughs> I used to think, oh, those things, they don't they don't really represent the true people. But quite frankly, I've changed my mind. So you guys have been really strong in these polling. And um, t- briefly, just kind of go over the significance of, of those, that scientific approach to uh, public opinion and, and how you guys use that. Yeah, we uh, certainly have been using polling for a long time. The John Locke Foundation in its early days did some polls and then kind of steered away from that. But the Civitas Institute, when it formed, made polling one of its main planks. And so when we merged the two organizations at the beginning of 2021, one of the things that we kept was the Civitas poll, even though the organization is called the John Locke Foundation. And yeah, we use a a company called Signal, and it's not spelled like the word signal, but uh, it's it's one of these funky modern-day spellings, C-Y-G-N-A-L. The company's Signal, they conduct the Civitas poll for us, and they do it in a very scientific way. They call people, they use texts, they do all of the things that, that all the modern polling companies use. 
And typically what they're shooting for, for the polls that we do, unless we have a specialized poll, is a sample of roughly 600 likely general election voters. So not just the general population, but likely general election voters. And uh, you, if you get 600 of them, you basically your margin of error is about 4% up or down. So anything within 4% is within the margin of error. Anything beyond 4%, uh, it generally will give you a pretty good uh, estimate of where things stand. And like you, uh, I have some trepidation about polls in some respects because they, they really work well when you've got a yes-no choice and there's no nuance. So they're pretty good for politics because when you go to the polls, whatever you think about the two candidates, you're going to choose one and you're going to reject the other. So if it's a yes-no choice and you have two or maybe three options, it's generally good. Where polling kind of falls down in some respects is when you ask people a question about whether they like something or dislike something, and there are various options for mm-hmm. people to choose. I'll give you a real quick example. This is something I know that you uh, had, to, had to really weigh uh, as a senator was the whole issue of what to do on the abortion law. Right. And you can ask a question, do you support or oppose abortion? And you give people just the two options, and you're going to get a very different answer than if you ask, well, you know, do you do you support abortion in all instances, in every occasion, with no exceptions? Do you oppose abortion in all instances? Uh, but are there other options? The last time that we asked this question, which was around the time that you and your colleagues were wrestling with this issue, the options that we gave people were no abortions ever, uh, no restrictions on abortion ever. And then should they be mostly illegal with some exceptions mm-hmm. or should they be mostly legal with some exceptions? And what we found was there was about 10 percent of people who said no abortion ever. There were about 20 percent of people who said no restrictions ever. Mm-hmm. But then the vast majority of people were in those two middle camps. They either thought it should be mostly legal with some sort of exception or mostly illegal with some sort of exception. And I think the law that you all ended up coming up with is right there in that yeah. middle that, that makes up 70 percent or more of the population. And, and that's the type of thing polling. If you're going to catch those kind of nuances, you really have to ask the questions uh, well and not just do you support or do you oppose? <laughs> That's good. That was a great synopsis. And so on this recent poll that you guys were involved with, I know you've been traveling and talking about this. What We only have about, about four minutes left, but tell me, what are the top two nuances that you picked out through the data that you guys have received? Yeah, there's a lots of good stuff about this poll, and we could go on and on about it, but I'm glad you gave me the, the time limit there, so <laughs> I'll stick with, the, stick with just the main things. The, the, the main thing that struck me was a question we asked about who do you want to take the oath of office as president the next time around? Because we've heard a lot of talk about Joe Biden, Donald Trump, potential rematch. Do people really want to see that or do they want to see someone else? So the option that we gave people was, uh, do you want Joe Biden to take the oath of office, another Democrat, Donald Trump, another Republican, someone from another party, or some people answer unsure. They're not sure about it. I think the news in this 
uh, question was worse for President Biden because only 18 percent of the people polled want President Biden to take the oath of office again for a second term. That was even less than the 20 percent of people who thought another Democrat should take the oath of office as president next time around. Uh, Former President Trump got 29 percent in this poll. 18 percent of people said another Republican. Eight percent said someone from another party. So if you put Biden and Trump together versus all the other options, they were about even. And certainly all the other options won by 17 points or more against either Donald Trump or Joe Biden, which I found interesting. Another thing that we asked about was favorability or unfavorability for the candidates who are uh, already declared in the governor's race. Mm -hmm. And we find that almost all the candidates, they need to do some work to get people to know who they are. The leading contenders, of course, are Democrat Josh Stein and Republican Mark Robinson. And in both of their cases, their favorability was in the 20s, unfavorability in the teens. And both of them had at least 43 percent of people who had no idea who they were. So that opens up a lot of possibilities as that campaign for governor goes forward. So Mitch, let me ask you something. It's interesting because basically based off the polling, it seems that majority of people you know, would rather not have Joe Biden or Donald Trump, yet internal polls to each of their candidacies show them with substantial leads for the nomination. So how do those two things reconcile back? Because we vote in primaries before we vote in general elections, and certainly Donald Trump has, in all the polls, had a, had a good lead in the Republican primary, and Joe Biden uh, has generally had a lead, largely because there haven't been anyone who's come out and said they're going to run against him, except for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and a couple of other uh, more marginal candidates. So the the parties will pick their candidates and then they'll run against each other. Uh, what this poll shows that the general election voters would like to see alternatives other than those two. But of course, the, the alternatives have to win primaries before they'll be on the ballot. Absolutely. Well, Mitch, this has been awesome information. Thank you so much for uh, calling in and sharing it with us. Policy nerds like uh, the senator and I love this kind of stuff. We do. Thank you so much, Mitch, for calling in. Yeah, thanks for having me anytime. Thank you. You're listening to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio. We will be right back after the break. Welcome back to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio with Senator Vicki Sawyer. I'd like to be part of our show, 844 Studio 4. We are still streaming live on the WSIC News Facebook page, YouTube, Facebook, the artist formerly known as Twitter, X, and LinkedIn. <laughs> I missed LinkedIn last so we're Oh everywhere. my gosh, that we're, is awesome. We are worldwide. Hey, David, <laughs> um, <laughs> in, in an. In an uh, preparation moment. I listened back to our show last week and I was very grateful. I think the thing about Margaret Thatcher was just hilarious. Um, But I got tired of listening to myself cackling so much, laughing so hard. So have I been doing better today? Like a better radio voice? For a minute there, I thought it was me because I mean, what you have figured out a long time ago is that I am hilarious. (laughs) And so you're, so laughter just sort of goes with the territory. And so I did notice that you were a little more subdued. So I I thought, well, not on my A game. Well, I mean, it is political 
season. You know, it's the start of, um, you know, politics. I think we have a call on the line who's going to talk about that. But, you know, I am I am now in campaign mode. Okay. So that, that's, a, that that's a downer in and Is of itself, it? right? I'm sure. <laughs> we do have a caller here on We're Just Saying with WSIC News. Hi, Commissioner Gene Halp. How are you doing today, sir? <laughs> Hey, how you doing? This is uh, Commissioner Hoop Dog. I heard y'all talking about Hoop Dog. Hoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> you my, should. My favorite, my favorite campaign slogan is "No Hope Without Help." Oh, uh, well done. I, I, but, honestly, I like Hoop Dog. I think Hoop Dog is better. <laughs> I know, right? No, that's right. You, hey, you, you gotta, you gotta have fun, really. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. But I want to say, if I can, you know, being an incumbent, and and I'm going to seek my fifth term next year. And it's been an honor, but I wanted to talk about, you guys were talking to Mitch from the John Locke, and I want to talk about, you know, the importance of what those guys do. And when we're out, as you know, as Vicky does, and, and David, you're, you're out of politics, smarter than Vicky and I right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they talk about the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and we talk about the Declaration of Independence and unalienable rights given to us by our Creator. But what we forget sometimes is that was created um to protect the government was created as a premise to protect those rights from the government from you know taking the rights away from the people and i think sometimes we've lost that focus um and the people in the country are frustrated and um and i think that that's you know that's what we hear out there and i'm sure you know vicky we've talked about that before is is people see a lot of shenanigans and a lot of things going on in politics and people don't seem to be focused on protecting their rights and doing what's always best for them. And I think we've done a good job with that in Idle County in North Carolina, as you know, we're a number two state in the country and a number two county in the state for economic growth. And that's because of our elected officials on the federal, state and local levels working together, you know, to uh, recruit business and industry and have balanced growth. And I know we've got growing pains throughout the county with traffic and infrastructure, schools, and all those things. But I, do, I was at the NCACC annual conference last week in Raleigh, and a lot of people would love to have the problems we have. Right. And, and I just wanted to make that known to you and the citizenry that we do fight for them every day. You guys have gotten millions of dollars in grant funding on the state level. Our federal partners have done that for airports and our first responders and schools and other things. And as a local elected official, I just want to call your show and say thank you again for all y'all are doing. I know there's money in the budget that you guys have gotten in the budget uh, for next year that continues to help Iroh County. And I want our citizens to know that cooperation and, and work on their behalf, all of us working together, um, it, I think it's a necessary uh, coalition. I mm. mean, don't you? Yeah. No, I Absolutely. agree. Thank you very much phone call. We're breaking news all over the place on this show. It's so like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like we, campaign announcements, polling results. Oh, it's I like know. pretty soon we're going to have like our own ticker yeah. tape and yeah. everything. It's going to be great. <laughs> Commissioner Gene Alp, thanks so much for the call. And thanks for the compliment. Yes, sir. I appreciate what you do. Thank you. See yeah. you tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so here it Thank is. It's, it's political season. It is off to the races. So. <laughs> See, normally I like to at least get past Labor Day. It's I know. Like, it's like, yeah, just get past Labor Day. But it's like, it starts earlier and earlier. I mean, gosh, people were announcing for president a year ago. Um, actually, probably actually less than that. After the, once the election was done, immediately people were announcing for president. So, so it just gets earlier and earlier. A pet peeve of mine that I cannot do anything to change about, only I can change myself, is I was in Lowe's Hardware the other day. And in Lowe's Hardware. I feel like we need like some like serene music playing right now. We do. Deep reflection. (laughs) Deep reflection with Vicky Sawyer. I don't like, I want to have one holiday at a time. 
We are celebrating. <laughs> I saw Christmas trees up. No, Christmas trees comes after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, arguably one of my favorite holidays of the year. Other than Easter, Thanksgiving is my number, tied for number one. I want to celebrate Thanksgiving. And then I want to celebrate Thanksgiving on November 1st. Not, you know, now when you see all these things. And Halloween, that stuff's been out since the beginning of August. One holiday at a time. I think that is, I, I agree with that 100%. We basically have just skipped past, like people get like really amped for Halloween and then they immediately go into Christmas. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, Thanksgiving's in the middle there. I mean, Charlie I Brown Thanksgiving. I mean. Thank you. So Thanksgiving to me is my favorite because that's a time. Do you when remember what they had at the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving meal? No. <gasps> what Senator is that? Sawyer. Popcorn. Oh, toast. Oh, I know. I do not. It's probably because for the last 15 years, they've been skipping over between the Thanksgiving, I mean, between uh, Halloween and Christmas. That is true. They have been, and they've been getting past it. um, And my my wife, who is 100% in agreement with you, but to be fair, she also would skip past Christmas (laughs) if she had her way. She'd go Thanksgiving to New Year's and then head on through. Well, but I mean, so Thanksgiving to me is my favorite time, a favorite, one of my favorite holidays, and Easter being the same. Easter for really reasons, but both for this reason. You get to come together with no stress of presence. We always know what Aunt Linda is going to bring. She's going to bring her great deviled eggs, and somebody's going to always make their perfect uh, roast. And this is, and then it is so much fun. And, and you have your own tradition now, where you have the turkey lathered in parquet. Yes, that's right. We started out. <laughs> you started your own tradition a few years ago with the parquet we, turkey. <laughs> we do the parquet turkey. I can't believe you remind, reminded me of that. But yeah, so we uh, sent the guys out. We have a family. We have a, a, a kind of a well, say our vacation family, and we go together on Thanksgiving. Um, we sent the guys out to get butter for the turkey, and they come back with parquet. <laughs> Which is not butter. <laughs> is not butter. I think you can actually build a house or, like, smooth joints with parquet. I mean, oh, absolutely. It, that stuff will be along with the cockroaches a long time. <laughs> so anyway, so now we have this big tub of parquet in front of us, and what do you do but make a parquet turkey? And you know what? It was delicious. Yeah, I, I, it was delicious. It sounds, see, people don't give enough credit to the to faux butter, but parquet, <laughs> man, it's, it, it serves its purpose. It, it absolutely does. does. It does. Um, but yeah, so I, I've one thing at a time, and now I guess we have to celebrate the political season here in Iredell County because tonight is the opening ceremonies at the Iredell County Fairground. So come on out and see us. I'll, I actually will be volunteering at the Republican Women's Booth from 630 till 10 o'clock tonight. So I'll wow, be enjoying. You're pulling, you're, pulling a, you're pulling a double there. I uh, am. Yeah. Well, you know what? Folks in our community work really hard for the Republican Party. And so when they ask, um, I'm happy to come and volunteer and help. Yeah, we did have a uh, now. Uh, we just uh, we had a call come in. Dan uh, had given a call wondering about uh, the senator's thoughts about the Durban Marshall Bill. Good question. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. Actually, sorry. Uh, might need, you might need to Google that real quick. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to have to Google it, I probably shouldn't talk about it on the air. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but I will we'll look revisit it. that next week. Yeah, let's pin that in for next week. So we got Joan, and then we have the Durban Marshall Act. So, so you'll be at the Republican Women's Booth mm-hmm. on um, uh, tonight, yeah. and then are you going to be uh, hanging out at the fair throughout the weekend? Yeah, I sure will. I'll be there on Sunday night as well. So, so what is your go-to fried fair food? Oh, my gosh. Okay. 
Traditional elephant ear just has to be a bunch of sugar all on top. It is great. But there's some strong contenders, too. Like, you know, the corn that's dipped in probably parquet. Uh, Well, no, no, that's not parquet. You think that's butter? There is no way in the world anyone serving at the Iredell County Fair is dipping in parquet. Okay. We are a dairy county. We're doing butter. Okay. And it's always going to be butter. I would be, and honestly, that would get you kicked out of the fair, I think, if they might find out you were using parquet. (laughs) What is your go to fair food? You know, I have always been uh I've always been a funnel cake guy. Yeah. Um I uh, you know the the traditional funnel cake with powdered sugar. Yes. If there is um chocolate sauce to be sprinkled on, I can always go that route. Uh-huh. Um but you know the traditional powdered sugar funnel cake hard to beat. Okay, I know this is not political, but I'm going to get political. I actually don't care for the deep fried Oreo. And I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to make a political statement about that. I don't like the deep fried Oreo. An Oreo is perfect on its own. True story. And perfect with a little bit of milk. There's no need to mess with it. Or have you tried the deep fried Snickers? I have had the deep fried Snickers and look, I love Snickers and I love deep fried, but those two together, it's just a bit much. For it's me. too much breading. It's way too much breading and too much. I mean, it's just too much. Yeah. It really is just too much. Now, you know, Snickers ice cream all oh, on board yeah. all day long, but you know, it's, it's, we, we sort of hit a point at some point in time where it was like, is there anything that you can't deep fry? Yes. And I think we're just on there going to, um, the, uh, phone lines. Can't deep fry. <laughs> uh, so do we have, oh, uh, we have mangry. <laughs> callers calling in. <laughs> they are removing their vote from you right now okay, I'm because sorry. you do not endorse the I have to make a stand somewhere. I just do. You I know g- what? When, if you lose your primary, because you're not losing a general, but if you lose your primary <laughs> to someone, it's going to be on the central issue of the deep fried Oreo. It is. I can see the mailers now. You're going to be, it's going to, you're going to have, look at all like intimidate, you're going to look all mean and everything like yeah, that mailer always that, that do. they said on Always do. Yeah. And then it's going to say, Vicki Sawyer can't be trusted. She wants to eliminate deep fried Oreos. Call Vicky Sawyer today and say, leave our deep fried Oreos alone. <laughs> it's coming after you. Now, I can you see know, it now. You do know what is delicious deep fried, like the number one other than an elephant ear. Chicken. Yes. <laughs> that's solid. But what else? <clears throat> Fair. Always. Corn dog. Uh, now, yes. A, a corn dog, yes. Big, like, foot-long corn dog with so much mustard, which... You know, I kind of get grossed out when you have the mustard that's just sitting there and you kind of just grab it after a thousand other people do. But I don't care. I'm going in. I got to have the mustard. Here's the thing about it. The thing about the fair that you have to remember is you just have to set aside any germaphobe tendencies Correct. that you might have. You Correct. have to go in and have to embrace it, much right. like sending your kids to daycare. You just like, look, you sometimes have to put things aside, and that's it. That's right. You're gonna hit the ketchup that's shared with everybody. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna, you're <laughs> gonna be touching things and the rides, everything like that. That kids with all their diseases and Ebola and everything so have touched. It's just what it is. That's bring what the your fair hand is. sanitizer out and come see us at the Iredell County Fair tonight. Absolutely. You've been listening to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. The new 1059 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.